another week in the NBA. We are back. No Nikki today. No Nikki. Nikki's, Nikki's once again. <laughs> again for the listeners, my brother is not dead. He's working a dead end job. It's different. <laughs> it's very different. Uh, he isn't dead. He's just wrapping some things up before he moves to LA. Gone but not forgotten. Again, not gone. Still here. Um, and also not forgotten. In our, in part, our hearts. Always. Yeah. Yeah, always. <laughs> always. Yeah. R.I.P. Yep. No, okay. <laughs> keep he's not, guys, he's, he's well and good. Check his Instagram stories. You'll see. He's putting stuff on there. Um, welcome back, y'all. This is episode 77 of NBA, and Tad is super excited. Tell the people what episode of NBA this is, Tad. It's the Vladimir Radmanovich episode. One of the only white guys ever to be able to just flaunt some weird cornrows and just get away with it. Vladmo. Oh my god. Didn't Brad Miller add cornrows at one point, I'm pretty sure? Oh, I hope not. Yeah, Brad Miller for sure. Look that up. Brad Miller for sure had cornrows. Lord, I really fucking hope you're wrong. When he was with the Kings. Oh, god. Yeah, there they are. Oh, no. Yeah. For the listeners, you should definitely Google Brad Miller cornrows. They are so terrible oh oh no 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 yeah man that was uh it was a wild time in the nba that was like 2005 2006 maybe oh god oh i hate this i hate everything about it i i don't i really love it oh god there's radmanovich looking like he had a mexican vacation and he was just out there getting puka shells in his hair what a that's fucking a, Vladmo, dude! I loved that guy. He was actually a pretty decent NBA player. He was. He actually. I'd like to pull up his numbers because I'm interested to see what his actual career statistics were. Because he was actually a very serviceable, like seventh-ish man. He was a stretch four before the stretch four. Yeah, he had a long career too. You know, eight points, four rebounds, shot forty-one percent for the field, thirty. Basically a 38% three-point uh, three shooter for his entire career. His early years in Seattle, Seattle were pretty good. Yeah, he was solid in Seattle. Those were his definitely He his. shot like 42%, like 38% for three-point shooter. He was he was, he was was a fun player to play with in like NBA Live, too. Yeah. He just couldn't miss. He was automatic. Yeah, he had a good career with, the, with Seattle, and then he went to the Lakers for a couple seasons where I think he ended up winning a championship with them, actually. Uh, no, he did. You know what? I don't think he did. I think those were the down years. Oh, no. You know uh, what? You're right. He he was on the team when they lost to Boston. Yeah. I forgot he played with the Bulls. I remember when we signed him. It was just like, oh, that's kind of cool. I, I honestly guess. don't remember that. And yeah. I've, always, I've always really liked this guy, though. He's <laughs> always been, uh, I don't know, just kind of a guy. Yeah. You know? Good, good off-the-bench uh, player. But, yeah, number 77 for much of his career, actually. So uh, another Bosnian beast, if you will. Actually, his nickname is... Is Vlad Rad? I mean, it makes sense. I've never heard any. I've only ever heard people call him Vladmo. Vladmo. I've never heard Vlad Rad, but I like Vlad Rad. You know, I like it a lot. If it's not on Basketball Reference, it doesn't exist. Just doesn't count. Just doesn't. I'm count. gonna disagree. I'm gonna write them a letter to include that nickname. Dear Basketball Reference, I am a young white male, and I object. That Vladmo does not exist on your website for Vladimir Radmanovich. I want to actually. It's funny you said young white male because <laughs> I want to. I want to just dial back our conversation here real quick. So this is a debate that I have with my friends sometimes. When you talk about white guys in the NBA, and you said Vladmo was one of the guys that could rock the one of the few white guys. Do we consider the foreign? Like the European guys, do we consider them to be white guys? Like, and I realize they are white. I understand that, but it's a it's an interesting distinction. Like, is there a difference between the American-born white guy and Absolutely. the European white guy? 100%. See, I I fundamentally believe that one hundred percent. I'm one hundred percent in on that. Look, when you look at the when you look at the subset of NBA players, there are black NBA players, there are white NBA players, there are also Rans, <laughs> and then there are Europeans. And other internationals. I kind of international players just kind of lump them yeah, all together because kind of, there's not that many countries that are. Most of it's Europe, and then that's little South, much little South it. America yeah, action. And even then, it's like yeah, you might as well be Europe, Argentina. Like prime example, Luca. I don't consider Luca to be like a white guy. You know what I mean? So here's the thing about Luca. Luca looks like a Chad. Like he doesn't look. 
He doesn't really look like a European. He's guy. got the Euro face, he though. Does, He's got extent. a little bit of the, the like, I wear tracksuits and rip heaters kind of look to his face. <laughs> yeah, and the arm sleeve tattoo is a weird look. Like, his arm tattoo is kind of it's oddly placed. It feels incomplete, is I my agree. thing. It's just like, I wish there was more. Like, I, if you're going to go I tattoo, agree. go the whole arm. You're going to make money now, so you can probably afford it, but like, Go finish finish the work. Finish it. You, it looks like you you stopped in the middle. Like there's a big distinction between like a Luca, and I mean obviously there's a big distinction in these guys' games, but there's a big distinction between a Luca and like a Chris Anderson. Right, right. Like right. there's a big. Don't, you never want to go that far. That's too far. That's just that's too much. And also like completely off topic, but um, I'm looking at the front page of basketball reference and they do that thing where they have like the random players that they put in that little box. Yeah. My boy, Roy Devin Marble, <laughs> former Orlando Magic and former Iowa Hawkeye. Wow. It made the front page. Spent like four years in the league. He plays in Europe now. You know. Oh, and look at that. Fred Hoiberg's on the front page today. What how opportune is That's that? That's who that is. I was like, who is that guy that looks like Come he on. should be talking about his mowed lawn and his fifth pair of khakis he yeah, just bought? It's the mayor at a himself. sensible price. It's the mayor himself talking about how he saved a bunch of money on car insurance by switching to Geico. Um Geico sponsor this podcast. <laughs> maybe Please? One, one day. Um so with that being said, um I think it's probably a good segue into the first topic. Um, the Minnesota Timberwolves has fired Tom Thibodeau. Uh, is that because he's white? Is that why that was a good segue? Uh, no. <laughs> or is no. it because Tom Thibodeau or uh, Fred Hoiberg used to work in the front office for them? And is, is also rumored to be their number one head coaching candidate right now. Yeah, I understand. Uh, I was just trying to make it, keep it light for the folks listening at home. Yeah, yeah. This is, this is a racially insensitive podcast, so just uh, get ready for it. Uh, <laughs> I'm a minority on this podcast. It's true. You are. You can keep it that way. <laughs> I think he ever quits on finding a black guy. Uh, <laughs> just not. Can't do it. Uh, so uh, here's what's crazy about this tips firing. So the Minnesota Timberwolves beat the Lakers like 101 to 86. They win. They win. And they've been better since the Jimmy Butler trade. Not substantially, but better. Uh and this, the owner and the uh, uh, president march into Tom Thibodeau's office again after a win, and tell him and inform him that he's fired. It's over. Today's the day. A um, lot of weird juju about this firing. There were some, there were some rumblings in the front office that basically said like, um, from a business perspective, they needed to make this move because people who are season ticket holders, like it affects season ticket uh, sales if, you know, the operations and kind of the, the direction of the team don't seem to be aligned. And, and Minnesota doesn't have a super, super loyal fan base. So um, Tom Thibodeau, once again, is in a situation where he oversteps boundaries, he doesn't play nice with the front office, and uh, he's seeing his way out of Minnesota, or I guess they've they've seen him out, um, and have replaced him with one of our co-workers' cousins, Ryan Saunders, which is fucking insane. Yes. Um, yes, we have a direct connection it's to true. the head coach. We should have brought him on the podcast just to give us the dirt. Give us the people. Oh, we, I mean, we'll, we'll get him on. Do yeah. a little mini-sode. Let, him, let, 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 let Ryan yeah. Saunders get his feet wet, and then we'll bring Chase in here. Dude, and he's 32. He's 32. He's so young. That's why. I did not he's know that. He's 32. He's the youngest ever NBA coach to get a win in his first game coached. Was he? I mean, he he got his job because of his dad. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, he got in the organization because of his dad. Um, right. That's what I'm saying. Not the head coach. My thinking is, like, so if we look at the Minnesota Timberwolves like a corporation, like a publicly traded company, when you designate a new CEO, you want to do so so that the stockholders feel confident in the direction or it gives them some, like, positive vibes in their stomachs. Um, hiring Flip Saunders' son is a good it's a good PR move, I feel like. And this I is, agree. I mean, it's also, you know what? It's also a good, you got a 32 year old head yeah, coach. What if he can awesome. coach? And if, yeah, and if he's good, and all signs point to him having really good relationships with the players, which granted, he's only like 10 years oldest, older than most of them, so it's not, it's not substantial. He's probably younger than most of the players on their team now that I think about it. Um, I think him and Taj are probably the same fucking age. Yeah. Not. I think Taj might be older. Luol Deng is definitely older. Um, yeah. But it's like, you know, you look at that and you're like, okay, cool. They're, they're giving a young guy a shot. But the firing was weird. The, the style, the way that they did it was really odd. I mean, when you saw it come down, like, what were your first reactions? Well, my first reaction was, like, it's about time. Sure. Like, it was something that I – but at the same time, like, when at first I was like, good move. That's what they should have done. Like, fully on board. 
Uh, but then I like started thinking about it, and I'm like, they're like two games out of the playoffs. Yeah, and that like that is a team that, as currently constructed, could probably won't, but could make noise in the playoffs. Like they have, I mean, they have the talent. Yeah. To like you know make a little you know to make a little playoff run, make a little mm-hmm. noise, like upset the two seed or whoever you what, know. That's what's so weird about it. It's just like if you're gonna fire the guy. Why it just the the timing didn't make any sense because like when when you look at how they've done since the Jimmy Butler trade because a lot of the the trouble that they had throughout the season was related to Jimmy Butler and we'll talk about him a little bit here in a second but um if 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 there's if there's trouble in paradise and you were already thinking about letting this guy go anyways why not fire him before the season starts right that's yeah i mean that's my thought too like it's just the timing was so weird it's after a win they've been doing better they're creeping up in the play and the the way that the west is it's like it doesn't take a lot like only one like one team has to slip one team has to no. slip in the top eight yeah i, I mean like you're, you're the difference between your four seed and your eight seed in the western conference like this date dates back like 10 years right well it's like, not that big of a difference well and like like we're looking at the things right now like the lakers have been awful since LeBron got hurt. And if that injury is more serious than they think, that's a team that's going to drop out of the playoffs. It's inevitable. That's not a playoff team without LeBron. Uh, well, so, yeah. like, so, like, there are there are teams that are currently in the playoff rank. Like, I don't feel really confident about Portland. The Clippers have gotten the worse. Clippers. Yeah. Like, all, all these teams, Utah starting to get hot again. Like, Sacramento's still on the tail. Like, there's there's not a lot there. Like, all Minnesota has to do is go on a small run, and they could have made the playoffs again, um, or could make the playoffs again. So it's it's just weird timing when things are starting to pick back up. Right, I agree. I, I also think, though, that you have a chance to say, like, hey, we're, we're, we're successful, we're winning right now. What if we, like, I think to some degree there is kind of the thought, I'm trying to, like flesh this out of my head as I say this, but like essentially like you bring in a new coach or like you fire your coach, you have your interim guy who like by all accounts seems to get along really well with the players. Maybe you get a fresh energy, you know, fresh energy from the players heading into the second half of the season and they turn that around and like they build off that positive momentum that they've already, you know, they've already established. Um, And they're playing for a guy that they maybe want to play for a little bit more than a guy who they, I mean, by all accounts didn't seem to really like. Well, the weird thing though is like right away after the firing goes down, the rumors come out that like, they have eyes for Fred Hoiberg, who played in Minnesota for like three seasons, the last time that they made the playoffs before last year, um, who just got fired by the Chicago Bulls, which, you know, there's a lot of, there's been a lot of conversation about that situation. Like, he really didn't get full, full control of the team, and like the front office kind of did him dirty. So, like, if you give him a young team and let him actually do his thing, maybe uh, the GM is also on the hot seat. Like, there's been conversations about bringing Chauncey Billups and Fred Hoiberg in, having Chauncey run the front office or, the, or the, have the GM role. And, or or vice versa, like have Fred Hoiberg coming as a GM. Um, there's a lot of conversations around that, and it's weird because it's like they're like borderline overly desperate for Fred Hoiberg, mostly because that UCLA job is just like hanging out there. Yeah, like they're very fucking seriously also interested. good ridden Steve Alford. I I I won't get oh, off on sucks. it, but I fucking yeah. hate that, that guy. Is Iowa? Yeah, like, he sucks. I mean, yeah. He sucks hard. Yeah, but it's it's uh, it's interesting. Um, Last question on Tibbs. Do you think this will be his last coaching job? Do you think he's done as a head coach in the NBA? No. No, I don't. I think he needs to figure it out, though. I think he – I've said this for a while. I've said this since, like, the offseason that, like, Tom Thibodeau's sort of style of basketball and coaching is, like, a little outdated at this point. Right. He's well, still he's still coaching and approaching the game like it's 2011. Right, he's so stubborn, and not only just about how he coaches, but about how he manages minutes and like all these different things. Which is like you just run you run players into the ground. Your defensive scheme is out of date, and your offensive scheme is also to some extent out of date. Like your it's it, like for a guy who was the defensive coordinator for a championship team and who was known for being a defensive minded coach in Chicago, you go into Minnesota, you got one of the worst defenses in the, in the league. Now you can you can attribute that to players not buying into the system, or you can attribute it to just like. Like not evolving with the way that the it's NBA, a little outdated. It's a, yeah, and it's a little bit of both um, because like Cat has not been known to really give 110 percent on the defensive end, and Andrew Wiggins basically the same thing. Um, and we've had you know conversations about him all season, but yeah, I I I, I tend to agree that I don't think it's his last coaching job either. The only thing that's hurting him, and this is going to segue really well into the next conversation, is like. He bumps heads with front offices. Yep. And when you see that happen in two consecutive coaching jobs, it puts you at a real disadvantage to position yourself as somebody who can, like, step in and make a meaningful change. Right. And here's the other thing. The uh, 
president of basketball operations slash head coach job is officially over. It, Thank it, 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 fucking God. There's no way. It's Thank not officially God. over. We've said that for years. There been there was a time where it ended. It didn't happen. And then NBA play, like NBA teams started doing it again. There like, are a few guys in the NBA. There are a few guys in the NBA that could work their way into that type of It will of happen again. Like Brad Stevens is probably somebody who could work himself give into it, a role like that. Give it eight years, like, and it will happen again. It, it's see. cyclical like that. I have two like sort of closing um, thoughts. Go ahead. Um, I forgot the first one, so I may just have one closing yeah, one thought. Closing um, I think Fred Hoiberg is actually a really good hire for that team. Explain. Um, I think that if you give Fred Hoiberg a talented roster and instead of saying, hey, are we going to tank or are we going to try to win games and compete for that last playoff spot? Like, if you give him, here's your roster, we need to fucking win games. Right. Like, I actually think he could succeed. Well, and also, like, he th- the same reason why they brought him in to – Chicago was like we've had this drill sergeant for the last couple of years and we need somebody with a little bit more of a <laughs> a little bit of a bedside manner yeah. when it comes to handling players especially players this young um, I also think like yeah I mean I agree with that and then um, actually I, I, my my second thought was starting to come out so I'll let you finish <laughs> no I was just saying like I, I, I don't think it's a bad hire I think he did I think he got a bad he he got he got brought into a really shitty situation yeah, in Chicago. Yeah, he's dealt a bad so like, He comes in after the second most successful coach in, in Chicago Bulls history, uh, who was a, a fan favorite. Um, he comes in and is given a roster that is aging, that is um, contentious. They're, they're 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 not really vibing anymore. Jimmy Butler's causing some problems with Derrick Rose and Joakim Noah. Dwayne Wade doesn't want to be there. Next year we bring in the three alphas. That was a fucking nightmare. Dwayne Wade was really really bad for Jimmy Butler and for that team. And you know Rajon Rondo was the only saving grace for that team, which is fucking which is wild. Nuts. Wild to think about. He's um, he's changed. Rajon Rondo has done that now in his last three locations. Like he did that in New Orleans last year. He did it for the Bulls. And now he's doing it for the La- – well, was doing it for the Lakers to some extent. Um, yeah, I mean, I've come back around. I hated him for a while. Yeah. I thought he was a dirtbag. He's and now more I've, mature. I've kind of older. come around him. Um, um, and I, I also think, like, the Tibbs thing, too. Like, I look at Houston. Yeah. Mike D'Antoni. Right. A guy who, after the Knicks and, like, the Lakers sort of debacle, a lot sure. of people thought was like – well, I remember when the Rockets hired him, it was like kind of yeah. like a what the – not why? Right. Yeah. Like – uh, and he has – his system is not drastically different to right. what he used to run, but there have been changes. He's put right. more of an emphasis on three-point shooting. Right. Uh, there's a little bit more of an emphasis on the defensive end. Right. He has hired good defensive coaches right. as his assistants, and he's done a good job. Like, Mike D'Antoni is a good basketball coach, and there yeah. was a time – there was like a four- or five-year stretch where people were like, what the fuck is this yeah. guy doing? Yeah, and it was one of those hires where you're just like, ah, okay, old news, like fucking yeah. – we've seen this before. What are they doing? And yeah, he changed all of our opinions. So it's not to say that Tom like Tom Thibodeau is a good NBA coach. Um, I think this was a good learning opportunity for him because this. I one don't went, think he's going to take any of it to heart, though. I don't. I hope he does. If he wants to coach again, he's going to have to. I mean, that's because here's the thing: if you come into a front office and they interview you, you're like, okay, cool. How how have you changed? Like you've got to have a fucking plan. And if your plan is like, look, we're going to ice everybody, ice, 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 and then that's that's just how we're going to play defense. Like we always have. It worked in 20, 2008. It'll work in twenty nineteen. But see, I'm looking at teams right now. There are teams. The Knicks. Mm, Fizdale's not going anywhere. They like him. No, I'm, I understand that. But I'm, I'm saying like an organization that I think would hire him. Sure. So I'm not – yeah, Fizdale's not – I understand that. My point is – so like Atlanta would hire a guy like Tibbs, I think. Yeah. The Knicks would hire a guy like Although that. Atlanta's got a very new, very young coach. I could see the Wizards making a move like that, especially if they go to clean house. Memphis is a team that I could see. Yep. Because – uh, Bickerstaff is like they gave him they gave him the head coaching job, but he was also he went in after Fizz got fired. So like, if they under I mean they have, they got off to a really really good start, and now they're the second worst team in the West, which isn't saying a lot, but it's it's saying something. I also think the Pelicans. Interesting. So I think I mean I I, I see teams that would hire him, and especially the way that head coaching is in professional sports, where you recycle a lot of you know, guys. Listen, like what another team is too, like. Um, I could see Portland being a team that is like, you know what, Terry Stotts, it's been a good run. We need a new voice in here. We're going to bring somebody else in, somebody who's maybe a little bit more defensive-minded. I love Terry Stotts. I think he's a great guy. I also love Nate McMillan. I, 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 the only reason I think they fired Nate McMillan was because it was kind of one of those things where it's like it's run its course. I'm gonna I tell mean, you. I'm gonna say something here. I did not know that Brooklyn was currently sitting at six in the Eastern Conference. They are. They've been good <laughs> substantially. Yeah, they've been. They've been good. 
Um, like not, I mean, not good, but like they've been good for, for Brooklyn. by Brooklyn yeah, Nets standards. Yeah, yeah. Um, Orlando, on the other hand, recently just gave up a lead of 19, 16, and 21. Way to go, boys. How? Way to go, Coach Cliff. Um, next topic on our agenda. Um, we talked about Tom Thibodeau ruffling feathers. His protege, Mr. Jimmy Butler, former Minnesota Timberwolf, Timberwolf, uh, former Chicago Bull, uh, current 76er, is uh, calling out Brett Brown. So reports came out. Woj reported that um, he is calling out Brett Brown for his role in the offense. Um, he believes that they should be running more pick and rolls um, because that's what he does well. Um, and it doesn't really work. They should run more pick and rolls. They should. Yeah, to some extent. I mean, it, it's, a, it's I'm so, a firm, hard believer in the high pick and roll. Sure. And and with, with somebody like Joel Embiid, it makes total sense. Yes. The problem is, is like you have to also integrate Ben Simmons into that, and that shit doesn't work. No, it doesn't. Ben Simmons, who just recently started shooting jumpers, Finally, uh, like he just—I I mean, Ben Simmons is—he. It, it's, it's a weird. It's a weird situation. I agree with you, but the difference is, is like if—and I think I, I think this is absurd. Let me go on record saying sure. that Brett Brown's a great coach. Yes, I would love to have Brett Brown in Orlando. I think any fan base would love to have he's Brett Brown. Solid, he's a solid coach. Um, I think though, a, a good coach also needs to understand like the strengths of his players. So. When you have Jimmy Butler on the in the on the floor, and there are times during games where he is the primary ball handler for that team, as he should be, then you need to start like you need to run different sets for different personnel groups right. that you have, and a little like high pick and roll with him and Joel Embiid, and you know you have. Um, I'm not. I'm not even trying to meme this at this point. I'm just saying, like, you have like a guy like Redick or like a TJ McConnell and those kinds of guys who space the floor, and you run that high pick, and you have oh, a guy yeah. like Embiid who can pop, who can roll, like he's quick, uh, he can move. That I mean that that is a in my opinion uh, like a, a recipe for success and so I, I think he's right in some degree but like to come out and publicly say it is yeah. a problem and it's also a problem for like getting you on teams like moving forward like right. it's it's just I mean dude just shut the fuck up like seriously just shut up yeah he he's got a weird way of communicating and I think that's where a lot of people sour on him because. He he does have a weird, very direct communication style. Um, I was he also just has a face like he, Jimmy Butler just looks like an asshole. Like his, he, you know what I mean? Like you know, you look at some people and you're like, that guy looks like an asshole. And sometimes like he ends up being like a nice guy. Right? Like Jimmy Butler looks like an asshole. He looks like a dickhead. He looks like the guy in your friend group who rips on everybody but cannot take a joke themselves. <laughs> yeah, he uh, so. I'm trying to pull up some stats here, and I'm having a hard time finding them. But um, basically, here's the thing with the Sixers, and this is where things get weird. When you look at the plus lineups of lineups that include uh, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, they have a positive plus minus. So does a lineup with Ben Simmons and Jimmy Butler. When the three of them on their court, their plus minus is the lowest of those combinations. And the highest plus minus is when it's Jimmy Butler and Joel Embiid on the court with any other three guys. So they're in this weird situation where... Once again, like we've talked, and we've talked about this on a couple podcasts because the Sixers have been kind of weird this year. And I attribute this to them not having a legitimate GM until basically the start of the season. And we talked about this in the offseason. Like, they didn't do much to add to that team. Like, they didn't do anything. Sam Hinkie died for this. <laughs> he did. He did. But this is my thing. It's just like, they didn't do, they didn't, you, you know, you talked about like, setting lineups in accordance to the skill sets of your players. The problem is, is that they don't have other, players that can fill the roles around their star players like they, they don't. don't have any shooters they don't have <clears> enough shooters come on oh hey <laughs> dude give fucking give reddick jj reddick's averaging 18 and a half points a game man oh look i love look i love i love jj my thing is is like but they've got him and they've got tj mcconnell and then they don't have anybody else like they got rid of robert covington they got rid of Dario Sarge. Yeah, and like they still have like Landry Shamit's been a really is he been a really good player for them this season. I mean, he's still, you know, ups and downs as a rookie, but Right, but they they just you're right, they don't really have. I right. mean, they have two guys that can shoot. The situation is and you mentioned like should they be running high pick and rolls? Probably, probably more than they are, but they have a very free-flowing offense and, and Jimmy's style of play doesn't really suit a free-flowing offense very well because he does like the pick and pop, the pick and roll. He likes to get down in the block. And you know, fight for for boards. And he likes to get to the to the to the line by going to the basket. Like he likes playing that way, and it doesn't necessarily vibe well when you have a guy like Joel Embiid or like specifically like Ben Simmons, who's just like 
can can do nothing but those exact same things that Jimmy Butler does. Right. And I think another thing that a lot of people don't put enough stock into, and this is something that I look at it with a lot of teams, and I think it's it's something that I don't think teams really sort of like look at enough, but like, okay, last season when the 76ers like kind of had like their breakout season and they were really good, they had one guy who was ball dominant. Right. Ben Simmons. Right. Ben Simmons was the one guy who was dominant with the ball, and now you've added another guy who needs the ball in his hands to make plays. Like, Jimmy's a good player. He's not a great off-the-ball player. He's fine. Uh, but he is a guy who thrives when the ball is in his hands and, and when he can make plays. Um, and it just, like, they don't coexist well together because Ben Simmons has to have the ball. Ben Simmons cannot play off-ball because he can't shoot. Right. So, I mean, you know, I just think that's that's sort of a like an issue that, that they've kind of, um, you know, come up against. And it's why I always maintain this. And I know we talked about this, and I just want to be real clear. I mentioned this when we were talking to Anthony Davis trade scenarios, and I want to be clear. I'm not comparing Jimmy Butler to Anthony Davis. But it's why I always question, is it worth giving up certain players to get one guy who you perceive to be a great player? Right. So, I mean... I don't know. Um, we'll we'll see. Yeah, I'm doing a little comparison here on NBAStats.com. I want to see the actual comparison of uh, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons versus Joel Embiid and Jimmy Butler. Because obviously Joel Embiid is a fucking monster um, and does all the right things. Oh, I can't do team versus team. Anyways, um, yeah, it's... Once just again, take it at our word that the stats yeah, are there. Yeah. I believe you. I once, trust you. Once, once again, though, it's just Jimmy Butler... It, he's your father. Yeah, he's in his last year of his contract, and he's now ruffled feathers on two teams. And, like, if I'm his team, like, bro, if you want to get paid this offseason, you need to shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. You need to stop. Up. You need to st- who wants Who wants to hire this guy? Who wants to hire this guy? And he was on your boy's podcast, and he talked about the situation in Minnesota. And I agree with him that, like, the media twisted a lot of what happened there to make him look like the bad guy to some extent. To some extent. Well, then he also said that he called that players only meeting and all the other players like, "What the fuck meeting?" Right. Are you talking about? Well, and there's also like you know he did the the interview with Rachel Nichols the That's what day I'm of. About. But what I'm saying is like he he had that interview with Rachel Nichols the day of that practice where he played with the third team and he was just like, "I had scheduled that interview months prior, but if you ask the media, I called them because I was going back to." practice today and I wanted to be in front of the camera after it was over. He's like, I had scheduled that shit months ago. Like, I was already planning on doing that conversation. It's just, timing-wise looked really odd, and then that ended up happening to be what it was. Now, whether or not that's true, who knows, but I mean, I'm inclined to believe him based on, I mean, what does he have to lose? But I also, like, I mean, like, how much, he's a diva. Sure. Sure. So, like, like, I don't know. I don't know if I can, that's the thing, is like, I don't know if I can believe him. He is, he's gotten to the point where he you can be that guy if you're Kobe. You can be that guy if you're Michael Jordan. You can be that guy if you're LeBron. Sure. You can't be that guy if you're Jimmy Butler. Like, you can be it to some extent if you want to push the players on your team. But, like, if you don't have... You have like, to be a transcendent player and the an, an unquestionable number one option no matter even, where you... No, It's not even about being a number one but option. It, it is. It's because, about having fucking hardware. Like, and, if you have something to point to, But cool. I, I don't necessarily agree with that because Kevin Durant can say whatever he wants. I mean, and uh, Kevin Durant, within reason, Kevin Durant could have said whatever he wants. Within should say. reason, but I would say on that in that team in that structure, Kawhi, I think, could say whatever he wants. Yeah, I mean, because Kawhi has a ring too. Yeah. Fuck, I yeah. mean, you, but, you see what I'm saying? My, my point is though is like you need to be like a transcendent player who, let's say, I like I am that guy, right? right? And I play for the fucking like I don't know. We'll say the Kings, and then I go to the Pacers, who sure. already have a number one. Sure, but I I come in and it's immediately like yes, I am like the no, like sure. when LeBron went to Miami. Yeah. Like, he's still the number one, even you, though you've got Dwayne Wade. If you are that kind of guy, you could say and do whatever the fuck sure. you want. Sure. However, even even with that, even if you're the number one, you have to have a track record of success. Jimmy that's what Butler, I'm talking about. Jimmy Butler's been to the, the conference finals once. That's that, one that's, time. My, that's what I'm saying, though, is you have to be that right. guy who's, like, right. you've made a substantial impact. Yes. And you are a, a number one. You are a league-wide number one option. Right. That's right. my point. Yeah, I don't know, man. That, that whole situation's weird, man. He just, just like, right when it was looking like it was going well and he was vibing with his teammates, boom, he does it again where he just fucking, he just calls out his coach. And it's like, it's a weird, and it's a weird way to do it. And don't he's do it the, in public. He's a Terrell Owens. 
Oh man, he is becoming like Terrell Owens of the NBA, right. and I love Terrell Owens. Terrell Owens though right. was a dickhead and like kind of did all those dickhead things, but like in a way that was in some ways endearing. Right. I liked him. Um, Jimmy Butler's more of like Keyshawn Johnson. Yeah, that's accurate. <laughs> oh my god. Um, so the next topic we have here um, in a in a it seems like this season is one of the. Few seasons. I don't remember a season where this many players have just been told, "Go home, just go home. We'll we'll contact you when you need you." Like, don't call it, us. We'll it, call yeah. you. <laughs> it, is, it has happened so much this year. It's so weird. So, for the listeners who aren't aware, um, the Memphis Grizzlies have sent Chandler Parsons to Los Angeles to quote unquote continue his rehabilitation um, while they figure out what they're going to do with him and what his Memphis future is going to be. He Which has, is literally just don't call us. We'll oh, call yeah. you. He still has one year left on his contract. It's a big contract. Um, the reports are that, you know, he, he got injured early in the season after, like, six games. Um, and basically he had been going through rehab. His team, and he feels like he's ready to go. Memphis wanted him to go play a couple games with the Memphis Hustle, which is their G League affiliate, just to get a couple runs in and make sure that he is actually fully rehabbed. And he was basically like, no, fucking let me play. I'm ready to go. Um, and they they just wouldn't, they wouldn't do it. Um, so... After further discussions, they said you can continue your rehabilitation and not go to the G League. You can go to the G League or you can continue your rehabilitation in L.A., which means don't call us. We'll call you. And that was – They owe him $24.1 million I'm this ta- year. Well, we talked about this earlier. And they owe him $25.1 million next season. Right. I, I, I mean I really don't understand where – like that contract came to. Also, real quick, I just want to say I Googled his contract. And, you know, on Google it always gives you, like, the top stories, like, relative to, like, whatever you search. Mm-hmm. SB Nation two days ago wrote a post, uh, Chandler Parsons' sad Memphis Grizzlies career is reaching a depressing end, which is kind of sad. Um, and then this blog called Grizzly Bear Blues, uh, which is a Memphis Grizzlies blog, yeah. obviously, um, they wrote a post titled, How to Break Up with Chandler Parsons. <laughs> um, what I think needs to happen is I think they need to let him go, and they need to buy him out, or they need to figure out something with that. And he needs to go to Hotlanta, where he can play with Jeremy Lin, his best friend. Yeah, that may that. revitalize his career. Also, Jeremy Lin, just real quick, having a great season, not getting any minutes, which is fucking absurd. Yeah, well, but I'm not going to get into that. Um, but yes, that's what should happen. Or, I mean, I honestly don't know. But the thing is, like, he's probably – there's a good chance he's out of the league. There's a chance. I think so. I, he's I 30. Agree. He'll be 31 next season. I agree. I think that I think that right now – like, so here's the thing. If I guess he qualifies for the veteran minimum, so some team may take a flyer sure. on Sure. Well, here's the other thing. And, like, we're still in the day and age where teams will take – a big contract on in exchange for a first round pick. Right. And he has one more year left on that deal. So that money, bringing on that money into your salary cap and then having it come off your books in a year is a real positive if you're a team like Atlanta. Right. So you trade for that guy. Maybe you keep him. Maybe you don't. Um, But reports have come out that Memphis is like, we're not trading any first round picks with Chandler Parsons. Like we're actively looking for trades. But there will be no. Well, then good picks. fucking luck. Yeah, exactly. Unloading him. Well, like, the same thing. Like, not. yeah, it's just not going to happen. Like, one, you can't dismiss a guy and be like, "Look, you, I, you know, you know what? You don't even need to fucking show up, right? Right." And then expect anybody to want to trade for him, especially like his injury history. Like Chandler Parsons was a good player five years ago, yeah. six years ago. Yeah, five years ago. I give you that. I see the stats. In front yeah. of me, all right? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just doing some quick math. 2014, 2013. He was a good player. He was a good player in 2012. Yeah. I mean, so, like, you know, and, like, so five, six, seven years ago, like, yeah. And also, it just fucking blows my mind that it was that long ago. But I know. It doesn't feel that long it ago. It doesn't. It really doesn't. It really doesn't. But um, it's because that, that stop in Dallas I've was kind, I always seasons. forget about that stop. Like, so I forget fast. that he was there. Well, because it was, like, it was this big thing because... Um, well, they paid him all that money because right. they were daring Houston to match it. Exactly. And then Houston was like, okay, you can yeah, have him. have fun. We know he's got knee injuries. So then he goes to Dallas, parties it up with Mark Cuban can't stay on the court at all, does nothing for Dallas, puts them in a huge hole from a salary cap. Then he has a player, a team option for year three. They let him go. Memphis then fucking signs him. And we talked about this earlier. Like, they are a small market, and, like, they took a shot on bringing him in to pair him with, like... And here's the thing. If you get, if you get like, vintage... Chandler Parsons as your number three option next to Conley. You're still Gasol. paying him That's too much great. money, but oh, you're still 100%. paying him way too much money. And that was based on the cap, the, the cash back at the time. Like he got paid way more than he probably should have. He also, like the thing is too, like I get it. I mean, like you said, we were talking about this earlier. 
pre-podcast. Uh, when you're in a market like that, sometimes you got to overpay for like a those guys bit. just a so you can bit. you can show other star players that like, sure. hey, if you sign with us, we are willing to spend money to get other players sure. around you. And that I mean, I'll, I will say one thing: I really res- like the Memphis ownership group has done a much better job than a lot of other small markets. Like Oklahoma City is chiefly one that comes to mind. Yeah, but they also have Chris Christopher Wallace, who's like the worst GM in all of in, yes. in the entire. NBA. I fundamentally, so I fundamentally agree with you there. Here's here's the one positive about Chandler Parsons. Because you signed Chandler Parsons and you have no money to sign anybody else, and he did not play, you sucked, and now you got Jaron Jackson Jr. Everything works out. Thanks, Chandler Parsons. See, thank you. <laughs> there was oh, a man. time um, where he basically Chandler Parsons, I thought was going to have the career arc that Gordon Hayward has had. I. Did. That's really what I expected to happen, dude. I mean, in his third yeah. year in the league, he was yeah. averaging sixteen and a half oh, points a game. He, he was, was good. Great. I really he, like. Him. I thought he and like, yes, I am doing a cheap comparison because they're yeah. both white guys and they play the same position. But like, that's I mean, that's an exact. But he like he like into your point like when, in his twenty five year season, like you've got a guy who's six ten, small forward, shoots a three really well. Handles the ball really well. Can he play. He was make. an underrated he was passer. A good passer. Like he's got all these things. He's paired with with James Harden, who once again got to give James Harden credit, man. Some of these guys got paid a lot of money after the playing with James Harden. Like that's a true sign of a good point guard. It's like if you get paid because your point guard got you paid. Like Jason Kidd did that shit for Brian Scalabrini. I will to this day. Like Brian Scalabrini talks about it all the time. He's just like. I called J Kid immediately after the Celtics offered me a contract, and he was like, "Dude, fucking congratulations! You better take that shit. Like, you you have to. You absolutely." Well, it was like Delladova got yeah, Delladova got paid shit. for like, paying with exactly, LeBron. You know? Exactly. I mean, you're, that you're shit right. happens. You're right, and I I've been on the I've been the anti that James Harden makes players better around. I just hate James Harden. I get it. It's get it's it. it's bias. It's hard not to have the bias, but you are right. He does. He fucking clearly makes players around him better. So speaking of James Harden, um, I'm sure everybody who has social media in, in any in any capacity, saw the disgusting, just just terrible thing that James Harden did to Jamal Murray's ankles. Um, just got him with the cross, made him fall, stepped back, got fouled. Um, it was pretty incredible to watch. Um, one of his one of his better crossovers, although a lot of people think that the Wesley Johnson the was West still, Johnson one was better. Man. It's, it's so good. It's great. Uh, so here's the question I have for you. We haven't talked about this on the podcast yet. Would you rather, if given the choice? Be have your ankles broken or be dunked on. All right, two things real quick. I want to say this. Get it. Uh, number one, the Wesley Johnson crossover was better just because he stepped. He he hit him with a crossover. He hit the step back. He stared him down. Threw in that lip lick. He licked his lips while he stared at him, and then just banged that three. It's a winner. And so that, in my opinion, makes it better. Here is the thing. Um, it is way better to have your ankles broken. I would 1,000 times rather have. Because here's the thing. Remember when DeAndre Jordan murdered Brandon Knight? Yeah. They still play that clip. Remember when Sean Kemp murdered that guy from the Golden State Warriors? People still play that clip. I see people throw that gif out on people on at, on Twitter. Yeah. Of, of that. When he dunked on him and gave him the little, like, the finger guns and stuff. They There are... Far and away, more repeatable clips and times that people have relived somebody sure. getting absolutely fucking yammed on than there are that have the... And people forget about the ankle breaking. But people don't forget... People, like, were tweeting about that when it happened. But I remember when DeAndre Jordan killed Brandon Knight. Yeah, that was bad. That was... That was a so Twitter bad. talked about that for a fucking week. Yeah, that's a good point. I, my only counter is... Getting dunked down is a part of the game. Like, it's a natural part of the game because sometimes you go off for a block shot and, like, it's inevitable. Like, sometimes you're going to win that battle, sometimes you're going to lose it. And every every basketball player knows that. Like, just because just you get yammed on is not, like, it's not necessarily a shot at you. And Tony Allen answered this question on the starters, and I completely agree with him. He's just like, look, when you go off for a block shot, sometimes that is well, that, that's the drawback. Like, there's pros and cons to going the up for a block shot. The Brandon Knight thing, people were, like, ripping on him for it. But it was like, dude, like, you know what? At least the guy went up there and, like, he exactly. made it. There was an attempt. Exactly. Whereas getting your ankles broken is one of the most, if not the most embarrassing thing that can happen in a game. Like getting yammed on is bad, but having your ankles broken is just 
a clear sign that you are a bad defender or you just got you got got. It's the epitome of of have somebody getting your number, taking your number. Like it's the epitome of it. So okay, I here's my thought. For my pride, <laughs> my ankle getting my ankles broken is probably worse. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. One hundred. But the way that people remember, sure. like people remember you getting dunked on. Way more. So it is you. You. That's a very good point. And props to Tony Allen uh, for that. And Tony Allen. I don't. Did Tony Allen ever get his ankles broken? Oh, I'm sure. Probably. I'm sure he was a great defender. Yeah. But um, God, I really always just wanted that guy to have like a jump shot. He. We. We could be talking about him as one of like like an like a like a great player of all time if he had any semblance of an offensive game. Yeah. So here's the thing. Like any semblance basically makes him like I don't. Marcus Smart. Like no, maybe no, no, a little no, bit better. No. They have about the same offensive yeah, game. Marcus fair. Smart is a that's a fair a trash yeah, offense. He's fair. a good player. Yeah, Marcus Smart's a good yeah, player, yeah. but he's not. Yeah. He's offensively, he's yeah, got that's fair. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think of who to compare him to. If he had even even dude, like, he could have been like a modern. Like if he had a okay, let's say he had a good offensive game, he could have been a modern day Scottie Pippen. Instead, he was just a good defender. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like, yeah. I'd rather be I'd rather be remembered like Tony Allen as a great defender of all time than just like as some guy who I think about once well, every four years. That's and the I'm thing. Like, oh, it's just like, dude, scores. There's, there's scores are a dime a dozen. Like Kevin Martin averaged 25 points a game. Like you know what I mean? Like Adrian Dantley. That's what I'm saying. Like these like, motherfuckers. Like there, there's scores are a dime a dozen. John Marion. Like who really thinks place. about? I mean, I guess Sean Marion was kind of a compl- complete two way player. But like, oh, who really great. thinks about him though? Yeah. Like, no. But like, a fucking Marshawn Brooks averaged 20 points like in like in like 18 games. But like Marshawn Brooks was a 20 point per game scorer last year. Like that's happens all the time. But I fucking honestly did not know Marshawn Brooks was still in the league. I mean, like when they the when they made that like that trade mistake, I thought the joke I legitimately <laughs> thought the joke was because Marshawn Brooks was no not longer the in the league. Like it's, not that they didn't have the rights to his right, contract, but right. basically they were just like, "See ya." Yeah, he's not here. He's uh, uh <laughs> Don't call us, we'll call you. But yeah. <laughs> so, um no, you're I you're right. I think that's a tough question. Like at re- first I was prepared to be like I'd really much rather uh, get my ankles broken, but it, it's hard because I still sometimes I still think about that Wesley Johnson. Bit. Oh yeah, and that's the thing is like one hundred percent like dunks are fun. People love dunks, so those continue to circulate. But broken ankles never get forgotten, man. They never get when like when it's a really good one. Like if it's a really good one, like this like one, Hakeem? Hakeem, base, it, Kyrie's done it time and time again. Yep. Like, Derrick Rose did it a bunch of times. The Allen Iverson crossover on Jordan. Right. Like, those things still live in infamy. And it's another one of those things where it's just like, I got you. Like, a dunk is like, you took a chance. You mistimed it. But if I break your ankles, I fucking, I got you. Because it's not like, it's not like, like, when you get your ankle broken, it's because you went in the wrong direction and they fucking, they misdirected you. Yeah. Because they misdirected you and you tried to fucking come back, that's when you fall. A dunk is like if you don't block a dunk, it's likely because you mistimed it. So it's not necessarily embarrassing. Well, I mean, in some cases, I guess. Sure. Well, if you're Brandon Knight, you have no chance of blocking DeAndre like, Jordan. He's uh, seven feet tall, and you're like six foot four. I forget who dunked on him, but there's that picture of Kyle Korver getting dunked on, where he's like in like the standing oh, fetal position yeah. as he gets dunked on. That's like, a fair point. That's tough. That's a fair. So point. I mean, you never want to be there. They're both bad. I don't. I. Th- I think I'm gonna maintain that I would rather have my ankles broken. But you've presented. A good, concise argument, and you made me reconsider my position. But I'm going to stay with. I, I would rather. I would rather have my ankles broken. This is what I'm here for. Um, last topic of the night, and then we'll wrap things up. Um, Boogie is set to return. He is back for the Warriors, and Steve Kerr came out today and said he is returning as a starter. He's probably going to play like 15 to 20 minutes a game yep. to get started, but he is going to be starting. Um, is Boogie the spark that the Warriors need right now? Two things. One, he definitely should be starting. That is the right move. Two, he is a spark. Is it going to ignite the team in a like a, a like a run in the positive direction? Yes. Or is it going to burn the whole thing down? I like I don't know. Yeah. But he he's a spark. Yeah. Yes. Is he the spark they need? I honestly don't know because it's it's going to go one of two ways. And either him and Draymond are going to coexist and like each other or Draymond Green is going to fucking hate his guts. I So here's the way that I see it because you bring up Draymond Green and I actually just brought up his numbers. Draymond Green is having basically his worst season in the last 
like five years, basically. So I'm just pulling up his Jesus. numbers here. I can't believe this is his sixth year in the league. I know, it's crazy. Like, it, time fucking flies. Yeah, like, so I'm just pulling up his numbers really quick. Like, this season, 7.3, 8 rebounds, 6.8 assists, which, again, he's known for that, right? He's basically like an 8-8-8 guy. Like, that's just kind of been his thing. Um, this fucking, is what was that guy that ran for president? Uh, Herman Cain? Uh, yeah. He had an 888 plan for taxes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Draymond Green is the Herman Cain of the NBA. <laughs> that is not the title of the episode. That will not happen. This is, <laughs> this is his lowest scoring season in the last five seasons. Um, yeah, far and away, yeah. too. I mean, like, seven point, like 11 points to 7.3 points doesn't seem like a big drop-off, but it really is. Yeah, and not only that, but he was never a good three-point shooter, but he is so Abysmal. bad this year. He's t- shooting 24%, and he's just like, he's just, he's not taking a hit. It's like, bro, you're not hitting. Cut the, Stop cut, shooting. Cut the shit. Cut the shit. Start passing the ball. My feeling is if they can assimilate Boogie into the offense quickly, I actually think he could supplement, like, he could supplement for what Draymond's not doing. He's a better version of Draymond. He's not nearly as good of a de- as, uh, as a def- uh, of a defender as Draymond is, or a playmaker, or those kinds of things. He's a he but is a good passer. He is a good he passer. Can I the floor. Agree. He's he a good can passer. actually hit from three, unlike Draymond. Um, he can dribble the ball. He can handle the ball. Like he'll work. He'll work really well in one of those like high pick and rolls. Like he's gonna look really good if they can get him in the system. Like people love the KD Steph high pick and roll that. That uh, the boogie Steph or boogie KD high pick and roll, there's a lot of potential there if they can fit him into the offense that way. I had this thought um, today when I was reading the stuff about him coming back. Trade Draymond at the deadline if this looks good, if this looks like it's working out. So here's um, – I'm in theory on board with that. Boogie's looking to get paid this summer. They can't – if they trade Draymond, they will likely lose Boogie in the offseason because they're not going to be able to afford him. No, they're they're not. But here's the thing. Like, you trade him, you get some assets, maybe you get some role players. Right. Yeah, you lose Boogie, but you've sure. still got KD and Steph and Clay. Yeah, I agree. And and I agree with that because, like, I was listening to the Low Post today and he had Bill Simmons on. And they were talking about how the Warriors, like, Boogie is really important for them right now because their bench depth is basically nil. Like, their best bench player is Jonas Jarepko. That's basically all they have. Yeah. And then you have Iggy, who's been starting. We got, oh, I guess. Um, like, Sean Livingston's washed. Like, oh, yeah, his like, his career's over. I will say I really enjoyed his last few years of his yeah, career, I but it's, it's over. He was great, but um, he's washed. Iggy, like, Iggy's looking like he's team on his is last not, Yeah, leg. their team is not aging well, and Iggy's been playing well, but the team is getting older. Um, they used to have four All-Stars. Clay is having one of the worst seasons he's had in a long time. They just scored 43 points yeah, on four fucking incredible. dribbles. But he's, been, he's had a really... He's bad struggling, but like I mean, it's he's in a slump. I, sure. I'm not worried. And bad relative, like I think he's still shooting like 38 percent from three, which is fucking like yeah. any other person would kill for that. But for for Clay, like he is having a down year. Draymond's having a really down year, and I think the timing couldn't be better for Boogie to come in. And I do love the idea of like you know what, let's shed somebody to load up. I ultimately think though that the Warriors' long term play is to go after AD. So like they're playing this out until they can package like. Clay and Draymond for Anthony Davis. And it's like, here, here's a couple more seasons. Look, Alvin Gentry, you love Draymond. You coached him here in Golden State. Why don't you take Clay and Draymond, give us Anthony Davis, and we'll call it a fair trade. No picks. The money matches up. It's all good. Here's your guys. Now you don't have to rebuild New Orleans. You got two all-stars. Right? Somebody well, got to do it now, though. Oh, they and I think there's there's a possibility that they'll look into it. I think it's a possibility. If they make a trade. It. For Anthony Davis while keeping Kevin Durant and Steph Curry. I cannot wait to see everybody get up in arms about that. I, mean, I would I honestly am totally here for it. Well and I I agree. So like here's the thing, like if you if you recruit somebody like Kevin Durant, that in it in its own right is like what the fuck, man? Like you guys were just in the finals and then you go fucking steal. Like that shit was like people got mad at the Warriors. If you as a business set yourself up from a timing perspective, to trade two of your best players to upgrade to an even better player like Anthony Davis, you're just good at you're just fucking good at your job. Congratulations for having the best front office in the NBA. Who's their GM? Bob Meyer. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, Bob Myers. I, I just I couldn't remember. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He's great. He's been good. Oh, he's I mean, done a good job. He's also done like he's done a good job of like especially like when they lured like David West away from a twelve million dollar payday. Right. right. 
to like get him to play f- pretty easy sell <laughs> if you ask me. I mean, look, man, I'm t- I'll tell you hand up right now. Give me $12 million over a fucking ring any day. You're David West. People aren't really going to remember you, whether you want a ring or not. Yeah. I also understand that these guys are highly competitive, and David right. West made over $100 million in his career, yes, exactly. so I get it. Exactly. And but, that guy's destined for a front office job, and like, like because of the way the, the Warriors are set up right now, and because like Silicon Valley is very much involved in everything that the Warriors do, and they're moving to San Francisco, and like all this shit, like, if you're thinking long-term, like... If you're thinking long term, not as an athlete, but as a as an adult who has to have a long term plan, because like, bro, you're 36 and your 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 life is over now. No, like, that's a that's a plan that's taking a hit now for the future. So like, no, look, I now he sets himself up to be in the front office with the Golden State Warriors, which is one of the better front offices in all the NBA. He gets a lot exposed, of business connections. Yes, gets yeah, exposed look, to all these different I, business I, I get connections. it. Yeah, I mean, like that is a that is a good place to. It's a good place to be. I, I'm fully. On, I just also. Twelve million. Yeah, that's fair. I'm I'm excited for Boogie to come back. Like I I I miss Boogie. Um, he's fun for the league. Sounds like he's healthy. And I genuinely think, like I said at the beginning, I think that Boogie is the spark that they need. And I think if push comes to shove, he's basically going to replace what Draymond used to do for them. Um, outside of the defensive stuff, he's he's going to do all the things on the offensive end, and I'm really excited to see what that high pick and roll looks like. I think it's going to be fucking phenomenal. God damn, do I love the high pick and roll. It's I really big. do. Um, no, I mean, I he also seems to vibe really well with the team. Yeah, they, um, every, everything that I've ever heard about Boogie that is That video like, of him like kind of clowning on yeah. Durant while they were like playing one-on-one. They love like, him. Yeah. They love him. The teammates seem to love him. He's just kind of a dickhead. Yeah. I'm just not a huge he's fan. A, you know what it is? It's not even that he's a dickhead. He's a knucklehead. He's just a fucking yes. goofball. He's a knucklehead. He makes stupid decisions. He's, he gets a little heated. You know, but all signs point to Boogie being a guy that everybody loves. And, like, they want to get him a ring. So I, kudos to them. I think it's funny, too. The Warriors have... Somehow, I've hated him for a long time, and yeah. I will. I have tra- I've trashed him on this very podcast. Yeah, I, he was one of my least favorite players. In the uh, for a long and they time. have done a good job of rehabilitating his yeah. image because I'm like, yeah, I want him to come back and succeed. And yeah. then I'm like, who the fuck? Yeah. But I also think, I think a part of that though is that people are not treating him like. I think people have overrated him for a long time. And I think now, like, there's less of that because he's playing for this team. Yeah. Well, and, like, this injury. So the injury is the big setback because tearing your Achilles is really, really hard especially to come back from. Especially as a big man. Especially as a big man. But, like, prior to tearing his Achilles last year, like, his numbers were stupid. He was playing well. He was playing stupid. really well. Um, anything else before we wrap up today? I had something, but I can't remember what it was. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it wasn't, probably wasn't worth it. It wasn't probably real, wasn't worth it. Real important. All right, well, let's start plugging, and you gotta get to dinner. I do. What time is it? Just, oh man, I got thirty-five minutes. Yeah. Um. Cool. Well, you can follow me on Twitter yeah. at Tad Hall underscore. That's true. Uh, that's really that's really all I got. That's it. Um. Cool. Well, make sure and follow me at uh, J underscore Kilos on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow NBA at NBA Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. My goal this year is to ramp this shit up. I'm gonna be better on social. I'm already doing it. I'm gonna keep doing it. Um. Make sure and give the podcast a five star rating or review if you feel so inclined to do so. If you're enjoying it, you probably are. You had to laugh at least once. At least once. If you're listening um, to this, you either really like it or really hate it. Right. Or you're looking for like white noise just to like help you. Just want to like you just probably hate That's me. It. And That's listening it to me makes you angry and you hate listen to me as long as you give us a five star rating for for the hate um i'm all for it um, and if you hate me tell us in the comments yeah please do make sure you i'll shout you out on this podcast yes, i'll tell you to will. go fuck yourself we absolutely will um cool well nikki will be next back next week so uh for tad for jay coming back from the dead he's not dead for tad for jay this is <laughs> nba we're out bye bye